Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. passage in Romans and go over it really quick because often they don't get it and often that's not bad on their part but we just are you like me you get to the difficult parts of the things that don't make any sense and you just kind of read those real quick and then get to the part that meant something to you I I do have a tendency to do that when I read and then uh, you know back this was like in I think it was 2012 for those next four years, I really did do the thing where I slowed down. I read it real slow, and I went over and over again. I read through Romans chapters 5 through 8. I read them weekly, not not the whole thing, 5 through 8, but I would read that throughout the week for four years. Now, that's not a pat on my back. I wanted to get this. This is Paul's great treatise. This is his... Because people didn't connect it. Nobody had connected the dots before. Nobody had put this together. you got to remember, there wasn't, there wasn't a smartphone. There wasn't a study. There wasn't, a, oh, pull this. This is how this fits here. This is a revelation. Remember, he studies in, uh, in you know, someplace in Syria before he actually starts ministering. He gets saved on the road to Damascus and then he just waits and he studies and God starts visiting. Remember, there's not, the the only thing he can study is go back to what the law said. So he's got to be going to a synagogue. I mean, you you didn't carry around the Old Testament in your hip pocket. It was on scrolls and one of them would weigh 60 pounds. And it would only include a part of a book. So like the scroll of Isaiah, was it was multiple scrolls and it was huge. So th- this wasn't easy for him. And he had to, so the Lord starts connecting dots for him. Wouldn't that have been stunning? God, God starts saying to him, I'm going to explain to you what I just did and why you're saved. so when he starts preaching at the other churches and he starts sharing the gospel, then other people come and go, eh, no, that's not it. So in Romans, he's going, he's, going, he's laying it out. He's saying, this is the connecting point. And if you can see it that way, you change the way you're reading it. You go, wait, this is, this is really what Paul wanted us. And what you have to go the bigger picture. You have to go from the 10,000-foot view of Paul. Now you're going up to the 80,000 foot view of the Lord. And he said, I want you to see this. This is why I did this with him. So it's, it's really important. So we get through, he lays out being justified by faith in the beginning of Romans 5. And that 
You have peace with God. And what that affords you of how you live in life with problems. And then he gets here to verse 6. And so we're going to read it together. Um, He says, For when we were still without strength, in due time, that's an important little phrase there, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received, it shouldn't even say the, it should say this reconciliation. Reconciled means to be made joined again. It's like when uh, grandma's teapot breaks and you go and get the super glue and put it all back together again. This is, he's, he's basically saying this issue of justification is the super glue that put you in, back into right relationship with me and it came through me dying for you. So the question that gets asked out of this, and I'm, I'm going to do something really strange. I'm going to break it down not because I don't believe that you can understand it more fully than I I'm going to make it real simple um, because there's 12 sermons in this in probably each sentence and so we get bogged down with what's there and I'm going to try and flush out for us what are the takeaways that I'm supposed to get from this what does this mean for my everyday life in the flesh now And it says, it's the purpose of Christ's death and why it's so important. So Paul, now remember, he's explaining a mystery that's hard to understand. Justification is hard to understand because we don't see that it's an exchange. It's literally this, death, meaning everything from your stinky life, to all the stuff that was done to you, to all the stuff that you did, that is exchanged through his death for life, and basically it's this, you're okay. I'm not feeling okay. No, but the reality is, you're okay. Matter of fact, you're now a just person. Nothing's held against you. So he does it, he, d- he wants to explain to us, and this he's going, if he could put it in today's English, and this is how that worked. Um, and so that you also know how it worked, I'm going to explain to you why it worked. So he's doing a how and a why thing here. And it's this, it's for one reason that's really big, so you can understand the character and nature of God. 
because that's what the fall in the beginning took away. It broke Adam and Eve's understanding of who God was. How did it do that? I don't know. But something in when they quit eating from the tree of life and from that fruit and went to the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, something broke and they could no longer understand who God is. Matter of fact, they couldn't even understand themselves anymore. And you get that from, you know, we can do it silly, sort of, but it's bigger important than I suddenly... They look and they go, you don't have any clothes on. You're naked. Nobody had ever used that language before. you got to remember, it's just Adam and Eve, how, how metaphorical. It, we'll, we'll look at metaphor later. But all of a sudden, things that they thought that they understood, they no longer understand. And the things that they didn't know that they didn't understand, they somehow now recognize. And they don't look the same to each other. You know, we have a tendency to, in, in, the, in the view of that and, and taking it back and peeling it back, the view in the garden distorts us. One, from children's ministry, because we have to clean it up, right? We do. You know, it's just like, because you're going you're gonna to explain the garden and where people were, and, and then suddenly what they notice about each other, and that's hard to explain to kids, so we... You know, we do the same thing with the crucifixion. You know, we, we do it with paintings because it's uncomfortable. It's like watching The Office, the, the comedy The Office, where, you know, you're going, no, no, Michael, no, 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 no. And you almost shut it off because it's so uncomfortable. You know, that, that was the crucifixion. He, he was naked. We, we dress it up because we can't handle the pain of that, the uncomfortability of that. Why did he do that? Because he took sin into himself. And sin reveals nakedness. Just like it did for Adam and Eve. They were naked, which means not without clothes. It means they were under scrutiny. Nothing was withheld from view. See, when we sin, we want to hide in shape. We want to cover it right away. We want to hide it. You know, when actually they ate from that tree, it was exposed. Everything's exposed. When Christ hung on the tree, he was exposed. Everything, including his insides. Everything was exposed. He was lacerated. Not because he needed to be a bloody mess for us. He was exposed from outside in and inside out. He was exposed. His beard, his covering was ripped off. It's such a, it's such a distinct image of the first Adam, and that's what Paul's going to get at here. He died, and this is what you want to see. If you can get these three things just out of this short passage here, he died for the ungodly. And it's to reinforce to you, to all believers, that it wasn't about their goodness or badness. Everybody's bad. Everybody, every human being had no quality of being within themselves. And you were birthed into it. 
You can't do something good enough to earn a shot at redemption or bad enough to be cast off as unworthy of it. Christ died for the ungodly. You mean I was ungodly? Yes! But I was a little kid. You were ungodly. And we, we see that in the, in the Adamic nature that's in children early. You don't have to teach kids to lie. Did you notice that when you raised your kids? You had to tell them, teach them to tell them. In Adam, we lived a lie. It's, it's, amaz it's amazing. It's everything from, you know, uh, America's funniest videos, you know, the little girl that hides the fact that she didn't eat the green bean, you know. It's, we, we are, we, that's the natural inclination. Why? Because something broke. And whether you, whether you see it as a literal story in Adam and Eve, or you see it as a symbolic story, the end result is the same. Something broke when they decided to live without God. They made a decision to live without God. That's why it's so important that in the process of salvation that you make a decision to receive God so that it's life. That trumps the other decision. It, it removes it and you get an exchanged life. And that he did it the reason he did it for the ungodly and why Paul paints this is because this is a church filled with Jews and Gentiles. And the Jews think they have the leg up and the Gentiles are wondering if they do. Because they were God's chosen people. And Paul's writing, nope, y'all in the same boat. And that boat's up the creek. <laughs> and it's bad. same place. Isn't it interesting that he uses later when we get to the next verses. Remember that earlier in Romans 4 he uses, whoa, can somebody, Jim, where are you? Okay. Alright. So he uses he uses the life of Abraham to explain it. You remember that in Romans 4? And he uses the, the, the life of David to explain it, how God goes. And now he paints this superb picture because this is what God's revealed to him when he was in Syria all alone. And he says, no, it goes clear back to Adam. And Adam is the beginning of all of us. It goes clear back, and he's going, no, 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 this isn't like some people made a mistake and other people didn't. This goes all the way back. This goes back to the origins. And this happened in the beginning. And it broke, and so we're all broken because we're all from the beginning. Then he goes into this next thing. The next thing you want to take away from this is his death 
saved us from the penalty of the law. But the law he's referring to here is not the law of Moses. This is not the Mosaic Covenant law, the Ten Commandments. This is not that law. This is the law from the beginning about sin and death. In the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. This is the beginning. This is the uh, C.S. Lewis, when he wrote about it in the Chronicles of Narnia, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Remember, he used this phrase, which why a lot of Christians had trouble with it back when he first published it. But he talked about the deep magic. Do you remember that? Do you, how many of you have read it? Okay, this is that deep magic. This is that in the beginning that there, there, is, a, there is a law within creation that got broke. And the result of that, the fruit of that, the fruit of sin is death. In the day that you eat thereof, you will surely, I, and he, you know, we, didn't, we don't get the ad on there. He's going, I don't want you to die. But he's laying out the idea of this is what happens so He's telling them, and he said, no, eat from the tree of life. You can eat, you can eat till your pig full, baby. Go for it. You can eat from the tree of life all day long. You eat from that tree, you'll die. It'll kill you. What did we choose? We all want to point at Adam. We're Adam. Adam is you, and you were Adam. That's what he's trying to lay out. So the reward for our choices the ultimate requirement of the law, and if you look at Romans 8, 2, it lays it out. You know, is this something Paul just came up with? No, he lays out. So if you jump ahead, you read ahead, uh, this deeper law is, look at this. Romans 8, 2 says this, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Your flesh will die. Your spirit, because of Christ's death, has been, actually been made alive. You are no longer in Adam. You are now in Christ. And it's in that place that we live and move and have our being. And so how do I access that? By faith, by believing it. Saying, yes, that's what's true. Not my shame, not what I did again. What's true about me is my life in Christ that has set me free from the law of sin and death. He doesn't set you free from sin and death. He sets you free from the law of sin and death. You won't die and go away. You are going to live forever. You are in, what he's painting here is you're an eternal being now. Religion tells us wait till the day that you stand before him and then you enter eternity. You entered eternity when Christ entered you. That can change my choices and break me from the metaphor in Adam because he says you're no longer identified in Adam. You're now identified in Christ. He said, who we call, later he calls him the second Adam. 
and explain it. We'll get into it later. This is just, this is like, instead of just reading this, go, yeah, I don't understand. No, dig at it. Read it slow and dig at it because it's the game changer. These few verses will change the way you deal with your daily life. Both your goodness and your badness. Then the third thing is the issue. The term in Christ. This is what that means. It is the reconciliation. Remember what he said at the end of that passage. It is the reconciliation of your relationship to God. You don't have a bad relationship with God. It's impossible. Well, the Lord feels far away. No, that's the thoughts of your flesh telling you that. He is not far away. As a matter of fact, he decided to live in you when you received him. And you don't get to kick him out. King's X, I don't think I really like you being here. Guess what? His promise is, we only want to use this when we get into financial problems. His problem is, is I will never, I used to do this with teenagers all the time. I'd say, yeah, you can go out on a date. Just remember who's inside of you. Sure. And when you start to become intimate, remember that there's somebody else who's more intimate with you than you are trying to be with that other person. Now go for it. Go have a good date. They're a little mean with it. Well, isn't that funny that kissing is exchanging breath? Breath being the womb of the spirit. But that's a whole lesson for teenagers, not for you guys. You're old and don't need to be told about kissing. Right? In having... Uh, The third part of this is to realize what the word now means. Guess what now means? It means now. It's not controlled by time is what it means. It doesn't mean now in this second, though it does, but this doesn't just mean chronos time. This means the now time is everything that God did is applied into your life now, even though it happened 2,000 years ago. Adam, because of Christ's death, is now double Adam. He's, Adam is now in Christ. Eve is in Christ. That was the reconciliation brought all of us into Christ because it was God. Here's what here's what Paul said in Ephesians. You have to connect his other letters here. He says, from the very beginning of creation, he presented you to himself. And you know how he did it? Holy and blameless. You're without blame. You And see, then we pray. We keep identifying ourselves with blame. I did this wrong. Instead of identifying ourselves in Christ, you died for the wrong I did. I'm blameless. 
and, and blameless Francois Dutoy puts it this way, and people didn't like it around here the first time he, he said it, but he said, you have your innocence restored to you. And that's a hard one because we don't want to believe we're innocent. We know all the junk we did. But in Christ, he only sees you innocent. You've been acquitted. You're not proven guilty You've been acquitted of the whole thing. There's not even a trial anymore. You're not going to go into that judgment. He says that when you receive, Jesus said, when you receive the Son of Man, he said you pass from what? Death and judgment. You've already been judged in Christ. This is a, if you can grasp this to use the perspective of it, daily life changes because then I confess who I am in Christ, not what I did in Lloyd. Now I can say I'm sorry for what I did in Lloyd, but my true nature, my true identity is now in Christ. And that's what he wants us to get from just from this short passage. That's why I said there's actually probably about 15 sermons just in this part of it. I'm not going to get to the second part. I'm going to try. So we're going to read it. Because then he goes into this next session. It's next section. Excuse me. It is a session. I'll explain why. There's a big chunk here. I'm going to read. I'm going to slow down and read it slow because time running out always makes us want to speed up. But here it is. Read with me. Therefore, now remember, he just painted this picture of why God died for you. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. There were some people that didn't sin the same way as Adam, but they were identified in Adam's sin. Who is a type, there's a key word, who is a type of him who was to come. And then there's this, in this verse 15. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounds, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. Here's what he's saying. Adam blew it, and that became our inheritance. Now, you may not sin exactly the way Adam sinned, but you'll sin. Yuck. Then he says, but here, here's the incredible glory of 
of grace is it's not like the offense. What he's saying is it has more power. See, that's what we don't know. We think, we think grace is God winking at something. I wasn't winking at something. It cost him to give you free grace. It cost him within himself that he took the sin, not just yours, from Adam. Now think how many generations have lived. He took all of that into his body. way to undo this again? We'll shut it off. Throw something at it. It's bad. It's Adam. It's naked. And it's ringing my ears. And awful. Um. God answers prayer. I think I think I want to stop here before we read the rest of this passage. So that you get the idea that what we're talking about, and this is why part part of the um, it really hasn't been a grace movement, but part of the groups of this have talked about, and it was actually Hudson Taylor that identified these these teachings, and he called it the exchanged life. And that's what's being described here, is that the life that was gets exchanged for the life that is. The life that was you in Adam, in failure and sin, gets exchanged for the life that is you in Christ, which is life and peace and justification. So we get into arguments about this stuff. Well, should I confess my sins? And I I would never take that away from you because confession of sin is a gift. We're actually supposed to do it with each other. Confess your sins one to another. Uh, We don't do that because we don't accept each other before we sin yeah it's embarrassing so when we tell each other now I wonder if I'm back under scrutiny the glory of this is in Christ you are no longer under scrutiny you can tell him anything you you can really tell him what you did matter of fact you can get real down and dirty and tell him why you did it the real reason, not the one that you sanitized to tell the other person that you're bad, but you're still redeemable. In Christ, you don't ever have to do this. Remember, while we were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. When you were identified with your sin, he died for you. He doesn't identify you with it anymore. You can tell him everything. We want to pay a counselor lots of money to do that. And I understand that within our flesh. I get it. I understand that. And a counselor, I don't understand what the blank is going on with me. I can't figure this out anymore. My mind's twisted. It's dark. 
it's scary that I'm in a long, dark hall and there's no light. I'm not saying don't go to a counselor. Sometimes it's the humanness helps. But when I'm drawn into the light, I don't have to hide. He will never be ashamed of you. Yes, Scotty. He already knows you sinned. We forget that. God, I got to tell you what I did. No, you don't. I already knew that. Tell me who you are. Is it, wasn't that in the beginning? We're close with this. Think of Adam and Eve's story. In the beginning, they run and hide because they're naked, under scrutiny. What's God's first question? Adam, where are you? Did God know where Adam was? What, he was, what was he trying to get Adam to see? where he wasn't. He wasn't in Christ. Adam hit me, he had to recognize, no, all of a sudden I feel far away from you. Where'd you go? Adam, where are you, bud? Talk to me, buddy. What happened? What'd you do? You know, and then you get the whole, the great blame shift of why. You know? <laughs> Wasn't me, it was a woman. The only one you gave her as a gift, said a bad penny. She in turn says, no, 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 wasn't my fault. It was, it was Satan. Interesting story, isn't it, in the metaphor of it? By the way, you should read Dr. Larry Crabb's The Silence of Adam. What we don't realize is that when Eve was being tempted, it actually says it in the scripture, Adam's standing right there. Could have spoke up at any time and stopped it. He didn't. He made a choice. It's all about choice. Power of the heart believing and the tongue confessing. Silence of Adam is maybe the greater sin. Didn't protect the one he was given to have, to be the protector over, one that was of him. He was just silent and let the whole thing happen. And then he goes, "Yeah, well, I just decided to eat it too." There's so much in this story, and there's so much. I want you to, I want you to dig at a little bit. Write down notes this week over Romans 5 to yourself, what you think it means and how you think it applies into your life. And write down what you don't get about it. And then you take that which you write down and say, I don't understand this. This is how I got through this. Not that I have all knowledge of it, but I would actually, that's what I prayed into. Lord, I don't get this part. And this is why I don't get it. And God started you know what all the answers were in Christ? That's where the reconciliation's at. Every why question you have, the answer is in Christ. Because of this, I'm going to use C.S. Lewis. It's the deep magic that's, that Paul referred to that term as mystery. He's a mystery. 
He wants you to get the deep mystery. And he wants it to rock and then rule your world so you can rule. We'll get to that later. Let me pray. Is this good? And I don't mean the preaching. I mean, in the, this is good. This is, this is good. This is the meat. This, this was the, this is the prime rib. This is the London broil of the scriptures. Lord, open the eyes of our understanding, I pray. I ask that a revelation of the term in Christ would come to us. It would open up and it would no longer be a religious term, but it would be a term of life. Life on life that you called us back into yourself that we would live and not die. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Stunning. Set me free. Would you just say those three words with me? Set me free. In Jesus' name. Now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Now may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Now the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you just hug on each other as you go?